0: This is Carl Polichuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Introducing Gatekeeper from Calyptic Security. Zero trust access securing RDP and SSH connections with two factor authentication without open ports to the internet client installs, or VPN. Two years of partner-driven development brings audit-friendly access across all types of devices. Reduce stress and implement proper safeguards as advised by the FBI, NSA, and DHS, all in a purpose-built solution for small businesses. Interested? Learn more by visiting calyptics.com gatekeeper. And when you do, tell them Carl sent you. Welcome to another SMB
1: Community Podcast. I am very excited to have an old friend. He's not that old, but an old longtime friend, Eric Simpson with us today. Welcome, sir. It's always good to have you on. So, so happy to be here, Carl. Always
2: looking forward to an opportunity to spend some quality time with you, brother. As as long
1: as I don't call you old. (laughs) I resemble that remark. So, um, let me start with the, the question of 2020, which is, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, uh, candidly. The family's good. We've, uh, we've not had any kind of health scares. I mean, you know, for what I do, most of what I do is, is, you know, virtual anyway, other than when I'm jumping on a plane and speaking at events like you do all the time, Carl, which, I'm happy to say I don't miss that much and my (laughs) business has not suffered because all of that has just shifted to online virtual events and things like that, which, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to say I'm, I'm very well equipped to do.
1: Exactly. You are very well equipped to do and vendors are happy to have you on board. Uh, I feel, I I sincerely feel sorry for the vendors this year. I mean, you talk about having the rug pulled out from underneath you. I was at, Uh, exchange in San Antonio right last time I was in a group of IT anything and by the time my plane landed in Sacramento every single event for the rest of the year was canceled (laughs) like the run
2: domino effect right boom 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 they just all went and uh, you know it's unfortunate right Um, a lot of a lot of uh, businesses and a lot of client businesses um, have suffered and gone under as a result. And you know what? Um, every time we think there's a ray of sunshine, uh, something else happens when it feels like we're taking a step or two back. So hopefully we'll get past this and get a, you know, get a vaccine here, early Q1, Q2 and, and you know,
1: move well, forward. As they say, this too shall pass. So what are you hearing from partners? Have you heard partners? Are they doing well? I can tell you in our community, Uh, the reports of the people who actually show up for meetings is that a handful of them are are struggling, but most of them are growing their businesses in the recession. I think what, you know, it took everyone by surprise. And I think that first 30
2: days, partners were just scrambling to try to support their customers who still hadn't figured out what to do and how to support these, you know, work from home um, staff. And so that first 30 days was all about you know, setting up folks to work from home, equipment, hardware, if you could source it, VPN, security, and all that. Um, and then a little bit of a breather. And at the same time, the partners are trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to work from home as well? A lot of my clients and partners, you know, have, have also done that uh, social distancing work from home. If they had to be in the office, they figured out how to stagger who was coming in on different days and try to maintain that social distancing. But then quickly as you know, this dragged on beyond what everyone expected was a little bump in the road into, Oh, well, we really don't know how long this is going to last. <laughs> then then I think everybody started looking to, okay, well, how do we not only continue to operate during the lockdown, but how do we grow our organizations how do we thrive? So the, the partners that I'm working with, um, You know, I've been working with them to really hone their skills on selling virtually and delivering QBRs virtually, leveraging the platforms that our clients uh, are now used to. The end users are now used to these platforms like Teams, like Zoom, because why? Because they've had to use them themselves for long enough in their organizations to run their companies. And, you know, the biggest aha moment to me was one night when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, well, when those platforms now begin to be critical in your personal life, then it becomes like, like no problem. And I'm talking about all of the remote learning and the the kids at home doing remote schoolwork and all that. And, you know, our business owner clients and their staff are dealing with this on a regular basis. So For them to get past any kind of awkwardness or reticence to use these platforms, it has been foisted upon them if they have children.
1: Well, it's also interesting because it gives you an additional set of tools or uh, uh, analogies to use in sales, right? To be able to say, you know, when you're trying to do business and your spouse is trying to do business and your two kids are both trying to, you know, attend a class at the same time and your bandwidth kind of sucks right you know it, it, you they, they begin to see like this isn't just Eric talking about speeds and feeds like your business is affected when you choke your own employees bandwidth right it's exactly the same thing and now we're like oh now I can use that argument
2: well and not only that I mean I've actually developed the fondness for selling virtually now because think of think of the old way of doing things we kind of Try to meet with somebody and you know wait in the lobby, get into the meeting, and you know, maybe we've got you know some paperwork, maybe we've got you know a white paper a testimonial, something that we share kneecap to kneecap, as it were, or across a boardroom. Um, with these virtual platforms, what I've really been helping partners leverage is the ability to use the platform's capabilities and adapt your sales process to leverage it. So now I can have all of the things that I want a desktop share during a presentation right at the ready and just share it, you know, and even play a video if I want, or show a client testimony, tease a white paper, do a PowerPoint presentation, which I prefer when doing a sales presentation, because, hey, we don't forget anything, right? And we build the the mood of that session, the way we build that PowerPoint deck, it's like a three act play. So we're gonna do the, you know, we're gonna build urgency then we're gonna give the client relief. Don't worry, we can take care of it. And then we're gonna show them how and what options they can engage us with. So I really am now, you know, trying to promote this concept of adapt your sales approach to leverage these features. And the number one biggest tip I give to partners trying to sell virtually is don't make sure you understand how to operate the platform. Don't oh yeah, make it Absolutely. sound, don't make it feel like it's your first time using Zoom, for instance, right? right. You don't want the, the platform to be an impediment. Instead, you want it to be a facilitator, an accelerator of that conversation.
1: So, um, so let, me, let me slow it down a little bit because I want to go, I'm gonna look at this a like piece at a time. So first of all, before you get to Zoom, how do you go about engaging a prospect to you know meet with you on zoom so that you can begin the sales you know presentation
2: that's a great question and i i would say my guidance is forget about zoom forget about zoom so when you're scheduling like you're going to do lead you're going to prospect and you're going to lead generation you're going to get somebody on the phone and they're going to agree to a meeting and then you simply say great this is going to be a virtual meeting and I will send you a link um, for that meeting at the time and date that we've agreed to. Um, is that going to be an issue for you? Right. It'll be, a, and, and just work through it that way and, and say, you know, have you, I'm sure you participated in virtual platforms. You know, do you have kids at home or do you do virtual learning? Right. So you kind of qualify a little bit on the phone and say, Hey, you know, we're doing things, you know, in accordance with, you know, the CDC's best guidance. And, you know, I would, I would never, Uh, assume to just, you know, schedule an appointment in your office. So I've been doing, you know, our organization has adopted, you know, virtual meetings. Um, And just don't make it a big deal. You know what I found, Carl, over the years is the bigger deal you make out of something during a sales conversation, the bigger deal the prospect makes. about it. Right.
1: Well, there's also, I mean, there's kind of an opportunity here that if somebody's a little reluctant, you can say, and if you haven't used Zoom before, we'll spend the first three minutes. I'll show you around. I'll just show you how it works and what you can do. And, you know, you can give me a thumbs up your, while I'm doing my presentation.
2: <laughs> and how it can benefit your company. I mean, that's a great, a great idea. I mean, you know, hopefully they've had, you know, they've had exposure. By now. Yeah. <laughs> By now. And it's different than the, uh, the old desktop sharing platforms we used to use. Remember back in the day, I would have to download a big fat old client and half the time it wouldn't work. And, all these things. I mean, right. Teams and, and zoom are just, I mean, it's, I've never, you know, participated in a platform that is so ubiquitous and used by so many, you know, potentially millions of people that is almost, you know, right.
1: You just click great and, great and then it works. And
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. so that helps.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so now I get the appointment, the appointed time comes, uh, do you do this? You start full screen, obviously, like a one-on-one with, with two people's faces on the screen. What if they say, uh, you know, the, the classic example, well, you know, I'm the office manager and the, the actual owner, the boss, the decision maker, whoever's going to sign this contract won't be there.
2: Well, if that's the case, then you've already failed miserably <laughs> in the first step of the sales process. You've got to ensure that you're presenting to the decision maker, and in fact, maybe even schedule a quick phone call with that. I mean. Hopefully you're speaking to the decision maker. You never really want to set a sales appointment with the office manager, right? So step one of every sales process, no matter what you're selling, is to do your prospecting and preparation. That means that you're identifying who it is that you want to set the meeting with, and you're researching them online. Thank you, internet and lack of privacy, social media platforms, because I can basically identify exactly who i want to meet with and probably get a good idea of their educational background, their work history, oh, okay. their interests and hobbies so what, i have a lot of college they went to <laughs> i have lots of fodder for my warm up when i do get them on the sales meeting. so yeah, if you you know if you're talking to the wrong person when uh, when they
1: show up on the zoom meeting, you've already failed in step 1 of the Seven yeah. And, you know, in our industry, there's so many people that when they finally get that sales appointment, they tighten up and they and they they get pushed around, basically, because office manager says, look, the, the owner is just never going to meet with you. And I'm, I'm the one. So take it or leave it. And they and they take it, even though they're meeting with somebody who's not a decision maker. And the correct,
2: you know, point the correct is, you know, Uh, decision at that point is, is it worth it to meet with someone that you can convert into an internal advocate, right? Because sometimes people say, well, if I'm not meeting with a decision maker, then forget it, I'm not doing it. Well, hold on a second. (laughs) Hold on a second. What is that person's qualifications? What is their role? How, you know, do they have the ear of the decision maker? Sometimes that is a gatekeeper that you've got to convert, Right. And so there are different techniques on how to convert a gatekeeper or someone that's between you and the decision maker into being an advocate and actually giving you intelligence that can help you when you finally do get the call with the decision maker. Like, hey, who provides your IT services
1: today? Right. I mean, you know, Would you recommend recording a meeting in such a circumstance? And then emailing a link to the decision maker and say, hey, I couldn't make it?
2: No, No? not not at all. No, this is something that um, you're going to conduct yourself completely differently with someone that is not the decision maker than someone with the decision maker. and never, never believe that um, the decision that the gatekeeper can convey the value and the urgency of your services to the decision maker as well as you can. So I would not ever forward a a a meeting recording to the decision maker. In fact, I'm trying, I would try really hard not to have a sales meeting with the gatekeeper, unless, you know, I felt, wow, this is a cornerstone client. There are, there's value on that beyond just simply adding more ARR to, you know, my, my yearly revenues at the end of the year. Um, It would have to be a pretty unique situation for me to agree to present. So just to clarify, I'm never going to present to anyone that is not the decision maker. Um, if I am engaging with somebody that could be an internal advocate, I will try to develop them as an internal advocate, but they are not going to get a sales presentation or a qualifying session to the same level or degree.
1: That so I you doing. would basically have that meeting in the hopes of then getting a meeting with the decision maker? No, I would.
2: I would nine times out of 10, I would not have a meeting like that with the gatekeeper. I would try to build a relationship with that gatekeeper um, to try to get them to advocate for a meeting with the decision maker. Again, the the ultimate goal is to have a, a, a sales meeting with the decision maker, not with the gatekeeper. So I'm going to use the gatekeeper in, in any way I can to get the meeting with the decision maker. But I don't expect the, the gatekeeper to say, well, the only way you're going to get a meeting with them uh, is with me, not from like an office manager perspective, from a VP, from another C-level executive, maybe, but at that point, what's the harm in saying, well, can we schedule it all together? Right? right. Yeah. So again, you're, you're, you're going to spend, you don't want to spend an, an inordinate amount of time chasing a lead that isn't even qualified yet. Remember You know, you've got to get to the decision maker to even determine whether this is a qualified opportunity, and by that I mean, it meets the three criteria for the ability to close a sale. There are three things that have to be present in every opportunity in order to close a sale, and not like it's not like Meatloaf singing two out of three ain't bad. Two (laughs) out of three ain't going to get you a sale. You have to have all three. And the first one is a need or a pain. The second one is a solution, and the third Is budget. If any one of those three are missing, then we are not going to have a sale, and you're not going to get that from an office manager or even maybe you know a middle manager or something like that. So again, the goal needs to be not to present to the office manager, the goal or anyone else. The goal is to leverage those relationships to try to get the meeting with the. All right.
1: So we want a meeting with the decision maker. roughly how long do you expect this to go? And do you tell them that? Like, do you say this is going to be a 30 minute meeting? Or do you say, let's meet, hoping that you'll get 30 to 60, depending on their interest?
2: Well, to be fair, um, the meeting will go as long as it needs to go. And that's not your decision. That is the decision makers. Right. How many times have we sat in front of a decision where he says, I only have 30 minutes and then 90 minutes later,
1: they're so engrossed and captivated that they're rescheduling stuff. That is the story of every experience I've ever had trying to sell me services, but yeah. anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, and, and in 30 minutes is simply not enough time to warm that prospect up properly, to get them to relax enough to have a candid conversation with you, and then for you to go through all of the qualifying steps, um, you know, so I would say, look, let's budget for 60 minutes, and, uh, you know, if we get done earlier, great, or, you know, if if we if we uh, find our time valuable, I'm okay with extending that. Um, you know, if if you're amenable to it.
1: So know, they know. might schedule them back to back. You don't. You you don't schedule anything after this immediately.
2: Well, you know, give yourself some buffer time. I mean, there's right. never say never, right? You may have three sales appointments in one day, and you've just got to get somewhere. But I like having a little breathing room. I like I like having the opportunity for a very engaged prospect for me to take them a little bit deeper perhaps. But you know, at the end of the day, you're there to gather enough information to determine what the answer is to those three questions, right? Once you have that answer, um, then your next step is to get some sort of an assessment done, right? Whether it's a cybersecurity assessment or an infrastructure assessment, if you're you know, uh, presenting a managed service agreement um, you know at that point you just have to get the prospects agreement to move to the next step wouldn't you agree it makes sense for us to move to the next step um, right. so that would be me scheduling
1: somebody to come out and do an assessment so you uh, you may or may not know I, I have I, I love a long sales process I' like four meetings I want oh you know I want to I want to really stretch out because I want them to be invested and I want to make sure that my solution fits their problem well, I, 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 just,
2: I, because I don't think it, it, it matters how many meetings you have it's how effectively can you get to that outcome because what you said is key Carl is I want to make sure that I present my value properly so that they will engage and there's I a see. way to do that it may take eight meetings It may take two meetings, right? It just depends on how bad their need is, right? So you walk into a client that's just been hacked, okay? You need four meetings to to sell them on remediation? (laughs) I don't think so. No, not on remediation, but maybe on- On on a plan, right? So so you don't get to dictate um, when the client wants to be closed. All you get to do is to follow the process in order to build enough buying temperature and urgency to accelerate the sales velocity and shorten that sales cycle. I mean, the client will be closed when they're ready to be closed. And it's your job as a sales professional to get them to that point as quickly as possible. Now, if it's a huge opportunity, and you and I have both sold very large uh, engagements, you know, and let me ask you this, Carl, those engagements, are dramatically different in, in uh, how long they take to close. Some may take long and some have closed dramatically quickly for you and I both, depending right. upon the need, the urgency, and the budget, right? So I never kind of come in with a preset number of meetings. It may very
1: well take four meetings, but it might take two, it might take eight. It might. Take so, so I think about the kind of the classic presentation that you would make. Right. When I think about the slideshow, when I get to the slideshow, I have already figured out what the problem is and what the solution is. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. like for me, I can't do a slideshow on the first presentation because that slideshow no. would be all about me and nothing about the client. That's step four in the, in the seven steps. Right. So, so how do you do that? Occurs, that typically occurs in the second or third meeting. Though. So, so the meeting is not, because we had talked earlier about doing, you know, go ahead and throw up your slideshow or whatever. The first meeting is not that. You're no, not doing it all meeting. at once just because- The first involved. meeting is two things.
2: It's, it's warm up and qualifying. The first step is prospecting and preparation. So you're doing step two is warm up in that first meeting and qualifying in that first meeting. And we have to do that right. And we ask the budget question because we have to not give the prospect sticker shock when we lay down our proposal. We've got to know where they are in terms of budget then we go back, then we do our assessment or whatever needs to happen. That information comes back. We prepare our solution, our proposal, our presentation, and we go back for the second meeting. So there's time in between that first and second meeting because you've got to go do the assessment or not. You know, it depends on what you're selling. The second meeting, I'm ready to present to you. Now in that meeting, we do steps four, five, and six. Step four is the sales presentation. Step five is overcoming objections, right? So do you have any questions? Are you ready to move to the next step? And step six is closing the sale, asking for the business. So, you know, I used to do um, trainings on selling managed services at three appointments or less, and it was kind of all revolved around this. So if the client is ready to be closed at that point, if we're able to overcome their objections and get them to say yes, sign on the line that is dotted. And then the seventh step of the sales process happens after, like during onboarding typically. And that's the follow-up. Where we come back, make sure the client is super happy and ask for referrals, right? So now with virtual sales, hey, it makes it even easier. I don't have to like, you know, book and, and, and uh, calendar drive time back and forth, right? For these meetings. Right. That's what I love about it. And I may be able to get to that close in three virtual meetings, Maybe four, and the reason why I think they they may extend out to more virtual meetings, in my experience when we've done this, is we've missed something, and they say something at the close, like, um, well, I need to check on my business partner. Whoops. You what? We failed, <laughs> we failed in, the, in the qualifying step of the sales process. We should have known that. Right. The other thing that'll throw off a sale, you know, there's only, there's three types of objections. And of those three, there's only one type of objection that we cannot overcome, and that is called a conditional objection, and that is a condition for doing business. And that means, like, for instance, if we're selling a cybersecurity solution to, uh, you know, a medical office, and we're ready to close, and, and the client says, well, wait a minute, your solution does not meet our HIPAA compliance requirements. Whoops, We failed miserably in qualifying. We should never have gone to all that trouble, you know, assessing and proposal and presenting and all that when we know that there's a condition for doing business. If our solution, if we didn't catch that during qualifying, that we have to, you know, meet this specific requirement and we push ahead anyway, then I see that happen, you know, accidentally by like new salespeople, like they're not really up on qualifying. They get to this point and they wonder why why aren't your deals closing? Well, it fell out because it doesn't meet their requirement. That's the only objection that, that we can overcome of the three. The first two, the first one is the minor objection. A minor objection is an objection that we can overcome right now, okay? And an example of a minor objection is one of those, I want to think about it. Well, Eric, I want to think about it. Okay, well, how do you overcome that objection? Well, what is it you want to think about? And then you start going down every feature of your solution. Right. You want them to tap out. Okay, okay, you're right. We need it all. (laughs) The second type of objection that we can overcome is a major objection. Now, that's an objection that can be overcome, but maybe not today. An example of a major objection would be, well, we don't get our next budget allocation until the beginning of Q3 okay, so can I come back a week before and we can get the document signed? Again, we can overcome it, just not today. So, you know, those are the things that I think derail poor qualifying. I see working with um, sales professionals, kind of three big areas where they need a lot of tuning up is in the warm up, getting the client to relax, asking them questions about what they're passionate about, having them talk, getting them to, you know, relax enough to transition to qualifying. Qualifying, asking the right types of questions at the right time, building urgency, and then closing, asking for the sale. And nobody ever does follow up properly. I don't know what it is, Carl. I mean, <laughs> just go ask for referrals, do so, it at QBR and at every sales close afterwards.
1: Do you think it's easier in the in a virtual environment, especially when people are working from home, to warm them up and to get them to relax a little bit? After all they're in their home, you can literally look behind them, you can see their kids walking back and forth, like, oh, you got a border collie, I used to have a border collie, you know, that kind of stuff. Is it, is it easier? Or is it just my perception that it's easier? It's, it's,
2: I I think it's distracting. I think, especially when you know, you hear something crash behind them, and they have to get up and, you know, (laughs) oh, they're not wearing pants, for instance, you know, that always (laughs) throws you off. But besides that, I think that, you you can only do what you can do, and and the secret to a great warm up is doing that research online and about that person before you get on the call, and really looking at what they're interested in, what group, what um, what are they passionate about, um, are they belong to any charities, and who's their favorite sports team, what are they doing outside of work that you can key off on, and then ask them questions about that, and get them to open up and talk about what they're passionate about, and don't talk about business during the warm up. Then, when you transition from the warm up to the qualifying phase, it's as simple as asking permission. Hey, that's that is so awesome, Carl. Um, do you mind if we shift gears a little bit and I ask you a few questions about the security of your company today? Right. And when they say yes, that's their
1: approval to you to say, okay, yes, I will answer these questions. Very cool. So uh, let me make sure you get your website out there so that people, if they want to, because because. We're almost out of time and we could easily obviously do another 30 minutes because you have so much great information. So give us your website so we can come visit you. Right here, ericsimpson.com. Come one, come all. Everyone's invited. <laughs> Very good. And we'll put a link to that below in the show notes as well. Um, and also you're available on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and. Those three. All, all yeah. that happy stuff. So I, yep. I I can TikTok you and we can set up a meeting.
2: It will not be TikToking me. <laughs>
1: Sorry, no
2: one gets there. You know, I'm not TikTokable.
1: Not TikTokable. All righty. Well, sadly, we are out of time. But um, Eric Simpson, uh, one of the truly great authors in this uh, industry and uh, one of the great sales coaches. So thanks uh, for giving us your tips today. And uh, I look forward to doing this again.
2: Uh, you're making me blush, Carl. And I'm, I'm, I'm in such awe of your magnificence in authorship. <laughs> and presentation and all of the above. So great having you as a friend and uh, really appreciate the time today.
1: Thank you, Carl. Very good. This has been another SMB Community Podcast.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, Please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.